Season 2, Episode 1. Before we get started... This is an independent podcast and is in no way affiliated with any of the companies I work for. It is not a representation of the views or opinions of any of my employers, including Valley Sports, I specifically avoid mention of the pro sports teams in my markets, particularly St. Louis City, in Indiana. And this is entirely my show, independent, variety, sports jokes, sarcasm, interviews that are meant to be fun and solely the product of me. We're going to keep it really bare bones today. Um, going to riff on the NFL for a couple of minutes, and then we've got Louis Vacare of WildcatReport.com, the rival site covering Northwestern football, coming up. It has been five months since we've put out an episode of Raw Tools. Some of that was by choice, and some of that was not. Had a couple of things going on in my personal life, and some circumstances that made it difficult to put the show out. Uh, we had a chance to monetize this podcast in early March, and in April, uh, didn't work out, and some things took priority. So there was a long hiatus, um, and it's good to be back for season two. Um, we plan on pivoting to video quite a bit, depending on the interviews we get and the people we bring on as guests. We have a new logo and an intro created. It's been a seamless transition putting those up, and hopefully by the time this publishes, those will be available to be seen. I think for the sake of consistency and for the quality of the show, I plan on capping this around 50 episodes, which means including today, we'd have about 27 episodes left to record through the Super Bowl. I think anything after that is gravy. But who knows? Maybe this will take off, and maybe we'll have a good year ahead. A couple of quick thoughts on the NFL as it is Thursday during this recording. A Buffalo, a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams. Seen a lot of national criticism about that betting line. I think it's totally fine. It is an offense-driven league about quarterbacks and weapons these days. Josh Allen, just a little bit of an edge over Matt Stafford. Not knocking either of them. Should be a great matchup. But I think in an era where we have national talk show hosts doing face brackets, picking their Super Bowl champion based on who's the best quarterback, the Bills have one of the best, if not the best. And I'm seeing a lot of picks for Josh Allen to be the MVP. I would consider him the front-runner as well. Bills over the Rams. Could totally be wrong. Should be a great season opener. Could be a future Super Bowl matchup. Another thing I found interesting, worth mentioning, Pittsburgh Steelers picking Mitch Trubisky as QB1 over Kenny Pickett. It's typical Steelers. I think when you have an established brand in sports, you have a tradition of winning your success spans multiple generations, you settle into doing things the way they've always been done. And a lot of big-name brands like the Steelers err on the side of caution, of safety. And Trubisky is the safe pick. He's a bridge quarterback, and he's a known quantity. You can win eight, nine, ten games with Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback, given you have a competent coaching staff, check, and a decent supporting cast um, on the offensive side. And I think Pittsburgh fits that bill. 
Got a Hall of Fame coach in Mike Tomlin. So this is Pittsburgh hedging their bets on winning 9-10 games in a tough division with Mitch Trubisky. Pickett, for all his experience in college as a Pittsburgh Panther, still an unknown quantity at the pro level, had a very good preseason, and who knows, could be a short leash, could only give Mitch a couple of games before they decide to go with the rookie, but it's very on-brand for Pittsburgh. There's a lot of teams that are set in their ways, the big brands that don't take the risk. Green Bay doesn't draft receivers in the first round. Chicago doesn't splash on big-name offensive talent and free agency for the most part. It's just a habit. I'm excited to see what they do. And one last thing on the NFL before we pivot to college. I try to do rules for every season, and I have five. You can call them takes, bold claims, whatever you want. Uh, The first thing is, I am going to watch every Carolina Panthers game this season. Carolina brought in Baker Mayfield, going through his underdog arc right now. Heck of a story, chip on his shoulder, especially week one, going against his old team in Cleveland. They have one of my favorite personal college coaches that I've ever met, Matt Rule on the hot seat. They also follow me on Twitter. Um, But I did try to do that last year when Sam Darnold was quarterbacking, and I made it maybe five, six, seven games into the season, and then one thing led to another. I guess I started traveling. Didn't keep up with them. But I'm intrigued about a rebuilding Carolina team. Second, um, no hyperbole about Tua Tagovailoa of the Miami Dolphins. Got some backlash and some questioning as to whether or not he's the long-term answer at quarterback for the Dolphins. And under new head coach Mike McDaniel, who I think is a super cool guy and is no doubt the best soundbite in the league, Miami has created this united front about how they want to address specific players and player conflict. In other words, they don't want it to look like there's any discord or disagreement in the organization. They all want to be on the same page. Which is why in the preseason you hear all these rave reviews about Tua and McDaniel saying, oh, he's thrown the prettiest ball I've ever seen from a left-handed quarterback. And Tyreek Hill going on and on about, oh, it's just a, a perfect match. They could be on the money or they could be totally wrong. And I say... I will give Tua until Thanksgiving to prove that with all these weapons that McDaniel has accumulated in this new offensive system, if he fits. And if they seem primed for a playoff spot and Tua seems to be evolving and growing, we call it like it is. But I'm not going to be all doom and gloom if Tua has a bad week one, and I'm not going to say he throws the best ball since... Peyton Manning. Thirdly, I think the Vikings will win the NFC North and have a spectacular season on offense under first-year head coach Kevin O'Connell. That administration, new GM, new head coach, seems very polished, very professional. Was very impressed with them at the Combine. I also think the Ravens take the AFC North. They had the injury bug so bad last year. Kind of hampered them in their contention efforts. Fourth, I think the Niners will be snubbed in a tough NFC West 
likely don't make the playoffs. It'll be Trey Lance's first time as starting quarterback for a full season. There's been some reports of inaccuracy and inconsistency, and we've seen it during the preseason games. It's a tough division, and you know the Rams are coming in hot. You know the Cardinals start the season very well. Could be a tough year for the Niners and a transition year for their young quarterback. And I have a dark horse pick for the Super Bowl. I know everyone wants the Bills. I would also pick the Bills today. But I'm not ruling out Indianapolis. I think the Colts have consistency under center for the first time in a while. Yes, Matt Ryan is 37. However, we are in an era where quarterbacks, given proper protection, can thrive into their 40s. And obviously, Tom Brady is the extreme example, but we're starting to see the Aaron Rodgers of the world and other aging quarterbacks have success as they approach 40. And I say, why not Matt Ryan? <laughs> Let me put it this way. Matt Ryan under center for last year's Colts team. Maybe they don't collapse against Jacksonville. Maybe they sneak into the playoffs. Maybe they make some noise. Those are my five rules for the NFL season. Take them or leave them. But I feel passionately about most of them. They're bold. Not going with the status quo. Not picking the Bengals to win everything. And they are subject to change. While this episode publishes, I will be en route to Chicago. I'll be covering the Northwestern versus Duke game. I am teaming up with Wildcat Report, which is the Rivals website that covers Northwestern Wildcats football, to do some multimedia stuff. Streaming, shooting the games, um, some on-camera stuff as well. Uh, hope to bring a lot of coverage to Chicago's Big Ten team. And it makes me very happy to bring on today's guest. Happy to bring on Louis Becaire, who is the publisher and managing editor of Wildcat Report. That's the rival site covering Northwestern Wildcats football. Louis just got back a couple of days ago from covering the Wildcats 31-28 upset victory over Nebraska in Ireland. And I guess we have to start right off the bat with how did you like Ireland? Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, um, you know, the my team won, so I guess that's always a plus. But, uh, you know, looking at the whole experience, it, it was phenomenal. It was really like it felt like a bowl game, you know. The, the locals were really into it. It had all the bars and the, the Temple Bar, which is kind of the nightlife area of Dublin, where they had flags up everywhere and people seemed excited about it. it you know, the venue was really cool. Um, it was really loud in there and, you know, Nebraska brought a lot more fans than Northwestern, obviously, but you know, Northwestern fans were pretty loud too. And there was quite a few locals. So it was, it was a great experience all the way around. You told me you were planning on using this trip, not just as a work trip, but also a vacation for you and your family. What did you all experience there that you enjoyed? Um, yeah, so we had the first like four days in Dublin, um, you know, so we were there from Thursday, to Saturday, and then my wife and I on Sunday, we rented a car in Dublin and we just took off. So we went kind of straight west to Galway and we stayed in Doolin and we went to Killarney and then Kilkenny and, you know, we saw ruins and drank a lot of Guinness and Jameson's and all that kind of stuff. So it, it was, it was a phenomenal trip. I'm glad you had a good time. Leading up to this game, seemed all the national experts were picking Nebraska by a million. The betting line, some 10 points, sometimes more than that. And yet the Wildcats come out, look pretty good, finish strong. 
come out with the W. What was the biggest factor in them upsetting the Cornhuskers? Well, I think they beat, beat them on the line of scrimmage, both sides. I thought the offensive line played uh, its, its best game in years. I mean, they, they were really dominant up there in Northwestern ran for, I think it was 214 yards. Uh, Ryan Linsky wasn't sacked. I think they had one quarterback hurry. So they, they really uh, control things up front and, the defense had some issues against the pass, you know, uh, Casey Thompson had, I think it was 355 yards passing. So they got some things to shore up, but again, I thought up front, they, they were the dominant team, dominant team. I thought that they won on the line of scrimmage and, you know, not only that, but you look at the game, they came back twice from 11 point deficit. They got down 14 to three early. They came back, Nebraska retook the lead and um, you know, they rallied again in the second half when they went down set, down uh, by 11 points. So I thought, uh, you know, they showed some guts. Um, I thought it was a, a really a confidence boosting win, especially when you look at, you know, Nebraska beat them 56, seven last year, really embarrassed them. So, you know, they, they got a little bit of revenge and I think uh, it was a big confidence boost for the program going forward for this season. They've got a couple of non-conference games that are a little bit under the radar coming up. How can they carry that physicality on the line of scrimmage and that guts factor you mentioned through the next couple of weeks against Duke and Southern Illinois and Miami, Ohio? Yeah, so this is where, you know, Northwestern often trips up, right? The non-conference schedule in years past, they, they usually stub their toe on one. You know, I like to say Northwestern's a team that usually loses a game you don't think they will, and then they, they win a game you don't think they will. So... We'll see if that shakes out this year. But, you know, I, 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 in the press conference on Monday, I asked Fitz, you know, he came out and said they didn't play how they wanted to play and they got a lot to work on. And, you know, he's a football coach after all, right? They find negatives everywhere. But, um, you know, he, he had a laundry list of items. It started with, you know, starting slow. You know, they got off. They, they, Nebraska went right down the field, 75-yard touchdown march on the first possession. They got down 14-3. to three. And that's really been a problem for them in, in the last few years where they get behind early. And, you know, I look at Nebraska game last year, the Duke game last year, Michigan State, they got down early and they just never could get out of the hole. So that's something you're really going to have to work on. And you look at Duke. Duke got up, I think it was 27 to nothing early, right? It was something like that. It was, they, they blew that game open in the first half. So that's something I think they're going to have to really work on. And, you know, I, I think though that if you're a physical team up front, that's something that should carry with you week to week. It shouldn't be up and down, you know? So we'll see if they can uh, run the ball and control the line of scrimmage against Duke. Mm -hmm. You said there's a game that Northwestern will lose that you don't expect them to. And there's also a game that the win that you might not expect them to looking ahead on the schedule projecting far into the future. What is a potential win that's buried in there that others might not anticipate? Well, you never know how, you know, the, how teams are going to shake out. You know, I look at, you know, all right, so I'm going to, I'll throw Iowa out there, right? Because I think, uh, you know, they, they play that game in Iowa City. I think Northwestern's won the last three in Iowa City, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, Iowa's a similar team where their offense struggles um, a lot. You know, they certainly did in the opening weekend. And they're kind of very similar teams that they're, you know, defensive oriented and their offense does enough to win. So that could be one of those 
17-13 kind of games. Um, and also, you know, I'll tell you another one, Wisconsin, they got them at home. I think Northwestern's won five of the last six against them in, in, in Evanston. So that's, that's one that, you know, you, you don't know how at this point, we don't know how these teams will be, you know, Northwestern and, you know, how will Iowa look this year in Wisconsin and there's injuries and all kinds of things that we don't know yet, but um, you know, there's, there's, Northwestern is a, is a team that surprises people on a pretty consistent basis. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to uh, notch uh, an upset victory. And, and really, they already got one, right? They were like 13-point dogs uh, against Nebraska, and they came out with the win. Mm-hmm. I remember reading an article from you right after they upset the Cornhuskers, and you said that they should enter that long stretch of conference play 4-0. What is standing in the way that could potentially uh, upset that? Yeah, well, I mean, you look at, so as we were saying, you know, Northwestern often often loses these games and it's it's often in the non-conference that, that they get upset. And I think, you know, there's a few reasons for that. There's a slow start, like I mentioned, you know, that's something that they can get down on a team. And in the past, they haven't been an explosive offense that can come back. I think there's that familiarity, right? So in the Big Ten, they know what the other team's going to run. Uh, the other team knows what Northwestern's going to run, and it comes down to mistakes and execution and things like that, where a non-conference games, you get wrenches thrown in there every once in a while. And you look at Duke, they got a, a new head coach, completely new staff, so you don't know how that's going to go. Um, so in, in Northwestern is not a team that's going to just uh, walk out on the field and beat anybody with talent. I don't care if it's a Mac opponent or anyone else that they, they can get caught. You know, they've got to come out. They've got to execute. They've got to play sound fundamental football. And if they make some mistakes, they, they can they can uh, get beat. So it's it's you know, it's a combination of things that has uh, it, it's you know, it's been an issue for them in recent years for sure. The Duke Blue Devils are led by first-year head coach Mike Elko. They just ran it up on Temple last week. I think they won 30 nothing. Early scouting report. What do you expect out of Duke when they visit Ryan Field? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, how much of that is Duke and how much of that was Temple, right? Because Temple, you know, you read a lot of negative things about them, certainly. So I think uh, we're not sure where that'll be. But um, – yeah, I think, you know, Riley Leonard had a sensational start at quarterback. He threw for like 328 yards and um, their defense, you know, they pitched a shutout. That's something, you know, they really struggled last year. I want to say they gave up over 500 yards a game last year. So that's uh, quite a debut for uh, Mike Elko, who was a defensive coordinator. That's, that's his side of the ball. So we'll have to see, you know, I, I don't, you know, usually it's after two games, right. Cause sometimes teams look great that first week and then they come back to earth a little bit, once a little film out on them. So we'll have to see how much like for Duke, how much of that had to do with temple and, and the same with Northwestern too. Right. I mean, they, they had a sensational opener, but we'll see how they look uh, in week two. And, you know, the, the other thing is how good was Nebraska, right. They struggled, you know, they scuffled with North Dakota for three quarters on Saturday before, uh, you know, pulling out the win in the fourth quarter. So, you know, there's there's so many unknowns at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Coach Fitzgerald mentioned in his press conference that it kind of feels like a week one for them because they had the zero week and then a full week off to recover. 
in your experience covering this team, how quickly have they been able to fix some of those issues, whether it's starting faster, uh, getting better on third down, tackling better, making improvements in the kicking game with that extended bye week and uh, time to prepare? Yeah, I think, you know, Northwestern has been pretty good at uh, certainly putting things behind them. Like if, you know, the, the, the mantra around the program is flush it, right? So whether you win or whether you lose, you get your 24 hours to celebrate or, you know, drown your sorrows. And then you get back, you know, the, all the focus is on the next game. And they're pretty good at staying, you know, tunnel vision uh, one week at a time, going one and oh, all those old coaches cliches. They're, they're pretty good at it. Um, you know, and that's what he said that they did last week. You know, they worked, they, they had his list of things that they want to improve and they knocked them out that first day and they drilled fundamentals the rest of the week. And that's really who they are. You know, that's over the course of a season, they will develop and get better and improve. That's kind of their, their MO. Um, you know, so I think, think, uh, I think they'll be fine. You know, we'll, they'll improve on those things or, you know, I, I think they will over the course of the season, certainly. Their quarterback, Ryan Helinski, really impressed me this week in his news conference. Very polished, very professional, well put together. What's his ceiling in this offense? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, Helinski had uh, up and down first year and, and really, you know, he, he transferred from South Carolina in the spring. Right. So he only got a couple weeks of spring ball. He got the summer. He, he was the number three quarterback. No one expected him to be the starter last year. And then, you know, Hunter Johnson had four turnovers in the first half against Duke and they yank him. Andrew Marty comes in, he gets hurt. And there you go. Ryan Holinsky's your starting quarterback. And I don't think he was quite ready for it. And, you know, he, again, he was up and down. He looked more like a game manager than, than a guy that can make plays. Um, but this year, you know, on, on set last Saturday against uh, Nebraska, he really looked like a different player. You know, he was confident back there. You could tell he had a comfort level. He was taking shots downfield, very accurate with the ball. And I think a big key is offensive line gave him time. He, he was not sacked. I think they had one hurry the whole game, you know, because he's not the most mobile guy. Um, so that's, to me, the interesting thing about Holinsky in this offense is, you know, Mike Bajaki and the offensive coordinator typically likes mobile quarterbacks, guys that can make plays on his, on their feet. And Holinsky's not really that guy. I think he's a guy that can elude the rush maybe, but he's not a, he's not a guy that's going to, you know, lead the team in rushing or anything like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but I think he can, he's got a pretty good arm and if he can be accurate and get the ball out on time and if that offensive line can protect them, I think he can do some, uh, he can do some damage like he showed against the Huskers. He gave a shout out to Northwestern's new uh, sports psychologist as well, though the team's new uh, kind of mental health counselor for, I think, giving mm -hmm. him a boost as well. So that's, that's really impressive. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does this year. Be a good time to mention that you and I will be seeing more of each other this fall. Um, how excited are you for that? Yeah, I can't wait. Um, you know, I, I think you'll you'll bring a whole new kind of video aspect to Wildcat Report, which is, you know, we're we're stuck in the 2000, I don't know, 2010 maybe or something like that. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah, some uh, video capabilities and things like that. And uh, looking forward to your coverage this season and uh, glad to have you on board. I really appreciate it, Louie. All in a day's work for a Multimedia journalist, as they have, <laughs> have they have called us from time to time. But yeah, I mean, Chicago's Big Ten program seems like a an awesome opportunity, and uh, 
I'm excited. Thanks so much for, for taking the time. Louis the Care, publisher and managing editor of Wildcat Report. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Luke. Before we go, rest in peace, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs>